1203 Dr. Payne show. It is not warm outside, but man, is it sunny and beautiful on this April weekend. Uh, record store day. So if you're spinning some vinyl, chilling out, turn over the radio and you got questions about pain, you're feeling pain, discomfort, fibromyalgia, sciatica, all these terms Anything. people know. There's tons. There's tons, right? There's tons. We could have a whole show of just rhyming off diseases and syndromes. Yeah, for sure. What do you got to uh, kind of do a bit of a week that was uh, every week, by the way, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. We'd love to talk to you this hour. You've got uh, any health concerns, bring them on. Dr. Payne, Dr. Lou's here. So uh, what do you got this week? Yeah, uh, a couple of uh, interesting cases. Mm. One that I wanted to talk about was... Uh, um, something that probably a lot of people experience, which is the sciatica, quote yep. unquote sciatica. I uh, had this uh, lady come in. She's uh, uh, about 53 years old, I believe. Um, and she was developing low back pain sciatica, long term, uh, long standing issue. Um, she's also a yoga instructor. Um, and so, anyways, she basically had gone to see a couple people and these people assessed her for what was going on and they treated the sciatica, the most common cause. Anytime you say sciatica, people think disc herniation, some type of disc problem. And so, uh, you know, that's one of the problems with faulty thinking on a clinician's part that just because you hear a common symptom that therefore it must be from the most common cause, that's what can lead to problems. And so this lady who's been getting not very much relief and has seen uh, very many people uh, was being told that she had to do things to tr- try to kind of treat the disc herniation. Okay. Uh, so like extension mobilizations, exercises that basically uh, make you extend back, um, traction machines, decompression mm-hmm. machines, all these things that are really good, no good. Uh, for the disc issues. Right. However, when I saw this lady, I said, okay, well, let's start from from the beginning, right? We got to look at what the symptoms are, what the clinical signs are, and then we come to a diagnosis. Long story short, after we've gone through everything, she does have sciatica, which again, just means leg pain. That's all it means. It's, it's not it's a not diagnosis. A di- it's not a diagnosis, just yeah. a term to, to mean that I have leg pain, often related to the nerve, but a lot Stenosis? of things could... Yeah, exactly. A lot mm-hmm. of things can uh, aggravate the nerve. It could be a tight muscle somewhere, so that would be termed a peripheral entrapment. Could be a disc herniation. Could be stenosis, degenerative changes within uh, the bones themselves that start to to narrow the canals where the nerves go. Could be something in the spinal cord, like a spinal tumor. Now, that's obviously very rare. Uh, but sure enough, after we go through everything, we find out that it's more of a stenosis right. that she's suffering from. Now, why this is important is because the things that are really good for disc herniations, like extension exercises mm-hmm. and traction, are not so good for stenosis. Right. So this person is being treated for sciatica, quote unquote, uh, but they're being treated from the most common cause of sciatica, which is often a disc herniation, not getting better. In fact, getting a little bit worse. But why? Because no one took the time to actually look for what the true diagnosis was. Once they find the true diagnosis, what I was able to do was determine, no, no, no. All the things that you think are helping you are actually making you worse. And you need to be doing these other things, which would be very bad for a disc herniation. But she doesn't have a disc herniation. She has some stenosis. So we essentially gave her the right things to do for that. She right away, as I started telling her the exercises that she should be focusing on, she's like, you know what? When I do do things like that, I do feel better. But I've had people tell me to stop because it's bad for the sciatica. People. People. And I said, no, but that's the problem. They're telling you it's bad for sciatica due to a disc herniation. Right. Clinical signs versus diagnosis. Very, very important to distinguish because the right diagnosis equals the right treatment. And that's and that's what I'm trying to do. That's uh, that's why a lot of people are coming to see me. They just want to get a good second opinion, get good education on what's going on uh, so that they can be empowered. Once you have the education, I often say that 
uh, understanding is is healing. So if you can right. understand what's going on with you, you already start to feel better. And it's just the reality of uh, of understanding whatever's going on with you, because then you know the right things to do, the wrong things to do, the things you should avoid, the things you should implement, et cetera, et cetera. So what are some of the things you should do for stenosis as opposed to the yeah, stuff or so, discs? So a disc, and again, every disc issue is a little bit mm-hmm. different, but if we take the most common type of disc issue, uh, which is what would be called a paracentral disc herniation, which means it's just off to the side a little bit and in the back then you're looking at uh, extension based exercises where you're actually trying to cause a pumping effect in the disc to reabsorb whatever material has been uh, extruded from the disc uh, versus a stenosis when when you actually look at the anatomy of the spine in the low back if you flex at the hips uh, so anything where the pelvis is being bent uh, the IVF, the, where the nerve comes through, actually opens up. Like sitting in a chair, riding a bike. Correct. Somewhere. So flexion-based exercises mm-hmm. tend to be better for stenosis. In fact, some of the best things that you could be doing is riding a stationary bike for about 20, 30 minutes a day. Low level. You're not. It's not a marathon. It's not a spinning class. But just to keep that IVF open, have the nerve flow from the exercise that you're doing, and get this, the cardiovascular benefit. Walking is going to be very bad uh, first, really? st- well, a lot of people that have severe stenosis, their their symptom is often uh, they say, you know, I, I start to walk, my legs get really really tired, and then I sit down, and all of a sudden I feel better. That's like a hallmark type of uh, remark that you hear from stenosis, and the reason why is because as you stand up, those joints approximate, and as you go into extension, because the gait cycle, if you look at it, has a part of extension. Yep. Um, and that's going to aggravate the nerve further. And so then these people say, as soon as I sit down, I feel better. But oftentimes people with stenosis are older and you don't want them to be sitting all the time because right. you also have to think about the cardiovascular health and the other issues that they may have. Um, so you want to encourage exercise. You just got to encourage the right exercise, which is often using a stationary bicycle. Is there types of stretching like knees to chest, that type of thing, which yeah, is knees good for to stenosis? Chest. Yeah, yeah it is. stenosis, yeah. knee to chest. Uh, type of stuff is one of the gold standard exercises for sure, where you're, you can either do one at a time, uh, then you can start to implement both at the same time. But again, that, that symptom that they're feeling in the leg, we could call steno- um, sciatica. And the problem is, is that when we hear sciatica in the general public, we often think it's due to a disc herniation. Yep. And so it's often being treated like a disc herniation or people are doing their own research where they're looking up sciatica and then disc herniations coming up and they're trying to do the exercises related to that. Again, you need to figure out what's causing the sciatica. I actually was at a um, at a, a friend's house yesterday uh, watching the Leaf game, and I was talking to somebody there that I hadn't met, and they were saying, "Yeah, they have sciatica," and they were talking about sciatica as if as if it was the diagnosis. Right. And I had to sit there and try to explain to him, "No, no, no, no. You got to figure out what the cause." of the sciatica is because that equals the proper treatment. Cause he's like, it's not getting any better. I'm like, cause no one's giving you the right uh, diagnosis for what's causing that. So you got to investigate those things. 12, 14, Dr. Payne show till one o'clock yet. Yeah, use that number call through. We'd love to talk to you up until the, uh, the end of the show. Got a uh, 45 minutes or so. So we have lots of time to get your calls on the air. You're in pain. You got pain concerns, health concerns, bring them on. We'll get to another case that came through your office after we talked to, uh, to Paul. Hey Paul, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Good man. What's happening? Well, I got uh, degenerative back disease, mm-hmm. so it's like I drove tractors and, you know, heavy machinery for like 25, 30 years, and uh, I'm not that much fun to have when you start bouncing and you get a lot of pain. Yeah. So I was just wondering about some exercises. I got some from the physio, mm-hmm. and they seem to work pretty good, but it doesn't really hurt unless 
I'm balancing. If I'm in a heavy machine, if I go for a ride in a pickup truck. Or a bobcat or something will kill you, oh, right? Oh, forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So one of the important things with uh, the term degenerative disc disease is all it really means is wear and tear. And so so when we look at imaging like an x-ray that shows degenerative disc disease, um, oftentimes this is a term that's thrown around a little too much just to give uh, people a reason for their pain, but it's, it ends up not being a really good reason because when they've done research on degenerative disc disease, say of the low back, you really, really have to make sure that it correlates with the clinical symptoms. And oftentimes there is no good correlation because degenerative disc disease, again, is a natural process. It's wear and tear of the body. It's the same as if you you wouldn't get to 50 or 60 years old and never have a gray hair and things like that. So it's a natural process often. And, and oftentimes when it's commented on an x-ray, it's commented because a radiologist who's looking at an x-ray has to comment on everything what that they, they see. see. It doesn't matter whether it's clinically significant or not. Not. That's not the radiologist's job. It's the job of the person ordering the x-ray to put the findings of the x-ray together with the clinical images. Now, that doesn't mean that it always does not relate, but in, in most cases, and well, I shouldn't say most cases, and it's about 50-50, there is no, there is no relation. And so you're saying a degenerative disc disease may not be causing your pain. Correct. Wow. It may not okay. be related to the wear and tear of the actual joint because that's just a normal process. No kidding. Oftentimes right. with, with mechanical low back pain that's chronic, uh, the, the m- biggest cause is often just deconditioning where they haven't done the proper rehab exercises to keep their uh, their back healthy. And, and Paul, the, the things that you're mentioning, bouncing around, one of the things that would happen in that scenario is that your core musculature would start to, you'd start to let go a little bit because bouncing vibration tends to relax muscles. And so mm. probably what you need more than anything is just good core rehabilitation, a good program focused on improving uh, the core musculature, which is made up of the abdomen, the lower back, and the gluteal musculature. And that's often the key with uh, d- with low back pain uh, that's longstanding, especially related to sitting, doing things like that is having a good exercise program. What type of exercises have they given you, Paul? Well, she just gave me some with I'm kind of laying on my hands and knees and moving my back back and forth and stretching my neck and stuff like that. Yeah. So so and that's you know, and that's one of the things that I often see is when people say they were given exercises, what they were really given was stretches. And stretching and exercising are two different things yeah. because uh, you actually have to do things to break the muscles down somewhat and rebuild them, the process of working out, right, making that area stronger. So there is good, uh, there are good exercises out there. Uh, it's it's a long, extensive list. The other thing is I never think it does justice uh, to just say, okay, here are the general things that you can do because they may not work for you. This is where... Um, when you can approach, properly right? assess a person, you can look for functional um, things that, that stand out to you where they may need more rehab than other things. Not everybody's core is weak in the same way. Uh, and so that's where functional evaluation is very, very important, where you can um, you know, look at the person specifically, try to uh, figure out exactly what things are going to need to be rehabilitated so that they can actually get better. So, uh, you know, from a general perspective, Paul, core rehabilitation, mm-hmm. core exercises tend to be the key with this type of stuff. From a more specific standpoint, what exactly for you? Again, that's where, you know, getting an assessment uh, and and uh, and going through it is going to be where there's more justice done. Okay, thanks a lot. No problem. Paula, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou, D R L O. You want to give uh, Doctor Lou a call? 
early uh, next week and possibly go by for a free assessment would be a pretty smart move. Marie, hi. Hi, is this me? Yes, that's you. How are you? Good. Sorry, I think uh, you got my name wrong. It's Lily. It's fine. Oh, Lily. Lily. Yeah, no, not even close. All right. Hi, Lily. How are you? Good. Uh, Okay. Well, right now I'm okay. I have flare-ups. I have a... I've been looking for my x-ray results to give you the name of the condition, but sure. the condition I have is uh, like sacroiliac uh, and groin related. It's um, like a thickening of the joint um, and then the squeezes. It's oisy at the end, some long name. Oisy. They said it happens a lot to women in pregnancy in the last trimester. Hmm. That's going to happen and it's like a triangular thickening of the lower area of the sacral. Coccyx? Yes. Coccyx. Yes. Well, everybody has a coccyx, so I don't think that's maybe what you're talking about. I think whatever you're talking about may be a little bit different. Uh, I'm not really... There's a thickening of a bone that basically narrows the passage for the uh, uh, nerves that go through the... Uh, Stenosis. Stenosis. Similar to that, but it's called a little bit differently. What I'm getting is a lot of groin, really bad in the groin area and um which radiates back also to the back hip you there's no way for you to grab that report quickly <laughs> i'd be interested now i'm now I'm now curious. you want to know yeah, right? now i'm curious to yeah. see what, what exactly it is basically it's the the same one that a lot of women get when they're hmm. pregnant that okay. same pain uh, that, that condition it's, anyway they said it happens only a certain percentage regardless okay. um yeah i just want to know how to here it is. No. There we Excellent. Go. Awesome. Sorry? I'll spell it. O-S-T-E-I. Osteoporosis? No. Osteophyte? No. Let, I give up. <laughs> let her spell it. Yeah. <laughs> the second word is condensants. Okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's right. Osteocondensants. Yeah, that is, yeah, just a little bit of a thickening. Um, so what's your question? How do you manage that? Well, what happened? Yeah, what are the best uh, physiotherapy or type of exercises? They say it can also it kind of comes flares up and goes away spontaneously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and when I'm at physio and they're doing some traction, trying to pull it apart, and I don't know, I'm just beside myself. Right. And were you just recently pregnant? No. No. I'm okay. Not. And, okay. No, I've had two C-sections. So. Okay. And and were those long ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, most of the times this is very similar to the first question um, where we're looking at um, things that you see on imaging and whether they truly relate to the clinical symptoms that the person is feeling. Oftentimes, again, it comes down to uh, with low back pain in terms of exercise, the most important thing when it comes to low back pain is core, Mm -hmm. the core uh, made up of the abdomen, the back and the glute muscles. And having a good, strong core is what the research supports. keeps low back pain away. So I think we're taking a break, but we can get back to this uh, after this break. Call indeed, get that free assessment uh, happening, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Lily, got you back here. Hello there. Hi, hi Lily. Still there, Is Lily. Is she here? Okay. 
Well, okay. I mean, in general, again, it comes down to uh, just doing proper rehab exercises. That, yep. and, and again, from a specific standpoint of what is the exact exercise that you should be, be doing, it's very hard for me to say specifically for an individual because I haven't assessed them. As a general rule with low back pain, uh, core exercises are the key. Now, there's right core exercises and there's wrong ones because uh, most people assume core means abdomen, which it does, but they assume it means rectus, which is the the six-pack muscle. Okay. Uh, there's l- different layers to the abdominal musculature. From a, an endurance perspective for low back pain health, the rectus, the six-pack, quote-unquote, is the least important of all. No kidding. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So it's other exercises. Really, crunches can be very dangerous uh, if they're not done right. So sit-ups, things like that is not the key. Uh, oftentimes, we really try to focus on things that um, don't necessarily have a movement pattern, say something like a plank. Uh, is a very good exercise for low back endurance. Uh, but again, it's doing it the right way, doing it for the right amount of time, uh, grading it properly, and then increasing it over a period of time. Because another important thing with rehabilitation um, is understanding how to to uh, not achieve plateauing, right? And so, right. so, you know, you could do planks on your own, but if you can do a 30-second plank right now, and all you keep doing is a 30-second plank, well, your low back pain is not going to get better. You have to know how to avoid plateau and how to keep increasing uh, the intensity. And oftentimes, intensity doesn't always mean that you want to necessarily do it for longer, but you may want to do a plank with only one foot or alternating foots or alternating arms. And so that's the key to exercise rehabilitation is the grading of -hmm. the exercise rehab. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Rick, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Um, my father-in-law, he went for a vacation back home, and um, he fell sick. Uh, both legs cannot take his weight. Um, uh, when he lies down, he can move them properly. He can um, do everything normal when he lies down or sit down. He feel everything on them, but um, the only thing they can't take is weight. What do you mean they can't take his weight? Like he's unable to stand? Yes. At all? Yeah, the legs, they buckle. Okay, and has he gone to see anybody about this? Well, he's in the hospital presently. They run out and test MRI, but they cannot find the problem. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there could be... So otherwise, if he's laying down, he has full use of his legs. Like he has sensation. He can wiggle his toes, things like that. Oh, wiggle toes, he can lift it up, kick, and do everything. Hmm. He bend the leg, they put their hand, he push it. But he he can't stand. But he can't stand. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, again, it would be very, very hard for me to say exactly what that could be. I'm thinking of, you know, about a dozen different possibilities. Um, I think if he's in the hospital, they're doing testing. It's just going to be a matter of time uh, before they find the reason. Uh, you know, and that's often the process is what's most likely, uh, what what does the case sound like it is? Try to rule that out. And as you rule things out, you keep going down the list. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes that process can take a little bit of time, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not doing it. So I'm sure the answer will be found in terms of, uh, you know, me commenting on it. I, I'm not really sure what it what it could be at this point. I think it's very um, strange that uh, sounds you know, very sudden. Yeah, because like yeah. a paralysis would be a paralysis regardless. Oftentimes, having said that, where you said he went back home, where is back home? Um, he went to South America, Guyana. South America, yeah. So one of the things that there are sometimes viruses and parasites that can cause weird 
uh, neurological type of uh, events to happen. So it could also be something like that. And the problem with those things is they're very hard to diagnose. Uh, so it could be something like that if they're looking. And that's always something to consider uh, when someone gets sick after travel, um, especially to places like South America or Africa or Asia, uh, is, is different types of parasites, viruses that may cause uh, that type of stuff. Yeah, because he's healthy, strong, he yeah. can do everything for himself, like mm-hmm. or so yeah. eat properly, there's no other problem. But Yeah, and, and I mean, the good thing is if it is a virus or a parasite or something like that, usually there's a natural history to those things, which means it can get better. Uh, it's just a matter of when. But again, I'm not sure if it is that, but I'm sure that uh, whatever hospital he's at, those are things that they're considering. They got big bugs down there, don't they, Rick? <laughs> yeah. Marabunga, whatever they call those things, things are huge. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's why one of the questions, if you've ever gone to the hospital, is have you traveled outside of the country right. in the last 24 hours, right? right? Smart, smart. And oftentimes, um, it, you know, if you go to other Western countries, it's not as big of a deal that are more similar to Canada. But mm-hmm. once you start going places that there's differences, again, our bodies adapt to a certain way of doing you this. Bet. 12.32, yeah, Dr. Payne, show a reminder, uh, free consultations. You want to go to the clinic anytime, one 855 Dr. Lou. That is the number, info at paincarecanada.com. You want to drop a... An email and to talk to us here on the show today for the remainder of the show, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell phone. Hey, uh, Kevin, how are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, brother. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Good. What's uh, what's your concern? Uh, yeah, a couple, uh, about two years ago, I was uh, I went to the doctor. I had lower back issues. Now, he had told me that it's a disease that um, humans normally get where the your lower disc gets smaller and smaller. Uh, he had said that at my age, I would be too young for um, uh, surgery. Surgery to, uh, I guess, to repair it. So he was letting me know that you know other things I could do was like try to build the muscles around the area. Mm-hmm. So I was just asking the doctor, what do you think about that? You know, I mean, I'm I'm in the, the field of construction. I'm always lifting and right. How how old are you, Kevin? Like, I'm 42. So 42. some of the times, like my my back goes in spasms where it's just yeah. It's just spasming all the time. Now, now like, let me yeah. ask you something about when you went to the doctor a few years ago. Um, mm-hmm. What was the issue? Like, how bad was your, your low back pain? Was it debilitating or was it just like yeah. a, a bit of an ache? Yeah, it was a bit of an ache because, you know, I yeah. used to be in the gym a lot. Yeah. So, so I kind of... Right. Uh, eased off the gym. Yeah. So this goes back to what I was talking about. The only time surgery for the low back is... Uh, absolutely necessary is when there's uh, severe impingement on the nerves. So this is the case sometimes with severe disc herniations. Uh, People can literally start to lose motor function of their legs, sensation, all kinds of problems, and you have to relieve the pressure off that nerve. That's when they do surgery. For something like a degenerative disc disease, which again, the fact that it's even termed a disease is what makes it, I guess, a little bit harder for the public to accept that it's just a normal process. Right. It should just be called wear and tear. Um, right. And so that's, again, going back to not necessarily uh, the cause of your pain, uh, but even so, they would never do surgery for that if there wasn't some type of an impairment in neurological uh-huh. function just because you have a little bit of wear and tear because where do you start and where do you stop? You're always going to have a little bit of wear and tear. Um, right. So the other option of doing exercises, again, goes back to our last few callers. Same thing. That's absolutely what you need for anybody suffering from chronic low back pain that's um mechanical in nature and when i say mechanical i mean 
uh, from joints, from muscles, uh, even sometimes from the disc, those types of things. Core endurance exercises are the key and getting a good core program uh, to keep your back healthy. And that's something that I do a lot with patients. Sometimes patients come see me and they're thinking, okay, how much therapy am I going to have to do? It's like, no, you're not going to have to do any therapy for me uh, with me. Here's a, a list of specific exercises that I specifically designed for you. Here's what I want you to do. Do them. Uh, follow up. We can follow up over the phone, uh, however you like, et cetera, et cetera. So that's often the way uh, to get these types of things better is just good core exercises. And again, I'm using this as kind of a general rule, not necessarily specific case to case, because it may be different. I, I obviously, every low back pain case is different, and I need to assess it in order to be 100% sure and make uh, the most relevant specific uh, recommendation. Okay, Kevin. If you're interested, come see me. We can take a look at it. Kevin, that number uh, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. We'll get to uh, Rob. Hey, Rob. Good afternoon. How are you guys? Good, man. Good. What's uh, what's your concern? So I've been having uh, what's called uh, started with a diagnosis of an FIA, which is a femoral activator impingement. Acetabular. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. And um, I guess right now I, I I have what's called a suspected tear in the labrum. Right. I've been uh, going for my third or fourth MRI in four years, mm -hmm. very soon. I tried physio. Um, I lost 20 pounds. Good. But um, it, it's very cyclical. Yeah. I'm wondering if you have an opinion on it. Sure. Do you know for sure it's a labral tear? Because you said suspected. You know what? I have, a, like I said, a fourth MRI coming up. Yeah. And, um, I'm seeing actually a surgeon that says orthoscopic procedures. Yeah. But it, I'm very hesitant. <laughs> for sure. In in my experience with labral tears, especially in the hip, oftentimes mm -hmm. surgery is the gold standard. They are very, very hard to treat conservatively. When I say conservatively, I mean with okay. therapy. Um, and and, and the research kind of does support that if there is a true labral tear there, you, you, the surgery is the option. Having said that, we would need to be sure that there is a labral tear there. Um, right, right. And for, when you look at femoral acetabular impingement, there's two types. Uh, that just means femoral acetabular impingement, you may know, but our listeners may not, is just simply when uh, the femur is abutting against the acetabulum, which is part of the hip bone where it connects. Now, you can have two reasons for that. You can have uh, degenerative changes, so severe arthritis, where the bones are getting bigger, calcium's being laid down, and it's right. actually stopping the range of motion. Or you can have a secondary, a secondary FAI, which is just due to tight muscles. And oftentimes, clinically, they present the same way. They present with pain, limited range of motion, et cetera, et cetera. A good clinician right. can distinguish, even just based on a physical exam, but obviously with taking uh, an x-ray. So, um, you know... I would say, for, you know, if you're if you're interested in getting a second opinion from me with bringing in whatever relevant imaging you have, uh, is probably going to be the best option for you. Just so I can take a look at it, do some physical testing, uh, and then if I think surgery is the the surgery, uh, if surgery is what I think you should be doing, I'll I'll be the first one to recommend it. I again, for me, I never like to jump to yeah. uh, the most invasive treatment, but with labral tears, oftentimes surgery is the gold standard. For sure. Okay, I think uh, you have my number for follow-up. Yep, sure, we do. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Rob. Appreciate it, Rob. We'll get to uh, Kyle quickly before break. Hey, Kyle, what's going on? How you doing today? Good, sir. Good. Quick question. Um, was in hardscaping for like nine, ten years of my life. Mm -hmm. Starting mm -hmm. to notice a little. Well, was noticing like four or five years ago, lower back pain, like compression almost. Pitching. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. I'm not like a, like I've, I've been to doctor. I think my old card has been expired for like seven years or something like that. <laughs> does, does that even happen? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I guess the new ones do expire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know they took my uh, red and white one from me. Uh, anyway, yeah, I hated uh, that. <laughs> yeah. No. Anyways, but a quick question. Like, in, uh, alternative like pain. Like I've been like self medicating with marijuana for pain relief. Yep. And I was curious. Is there any way of getting on to the point where I'm not like paying for this? You know, like I can get under like a, it's like a a pain or something like that. For the marijuana. Yeah, like getting it like covered almost instead of having to take like opiates or something like that or a pill. Yeah, so so you know, cannabis for medical use, medical cannabis kind of works the same way as medication does. They're you know the same way they're not going to pay for your antibiotics if you get uh, a cold unless you somehow qualify in special programs. Oftentimes, the therapy. See, the good thing about our system is uh, the diagnosis component is often included, right? When you go to your doctor, they are helping you manage and da da da. But then the treatment perspective, when you need the medicine or whatever it is, is often left up to you to pay or through a third party payer like an insurance company. Okay. Uh, medical okay. cannabis um, right now is not. Is a lot of insurance companies are still not paying for it. I do believe with uh, the way we're moving and and the research around medical cannabis uh, for uh, pain management that you will start to see insurers start to pay for it. But again, there's going to be qualification programs because uh, someone is going to want to make sure that you need it from a medical purpose versus just using it because you want to use it. So um, oftentimes, again, the best thing when you're looking at that type of what you're going through with low back pain, the research does support that the best thing to do is the rehabilitation perspective. Using cannabis, you know, is similar to using an opiate in the sense that it's just blocking the symptom. It's helping you to manage it, but it's not solving the problem. Now, I do agree that it's probably uh, less of of a detrimental effect and side effects of opiates, right? They're very dangerous, the narcotics, like we've seen what it's doing. And, you know, there's not a heck of a lot of risk uh, to medical cannabis for this type of stuff. So again, it's an individual case by case. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, the gold standard is the rehabilitation. And I do encourage everybody that you should be doing physical things to solve a physical problem. Call that number. You still got some more time to call into the show and have your uh, your pain questions or uh, maladies taken care of on the air before you uh, hook up for a free consultation. Again, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U to get a hold of... Uh, Dr. Lou, info at paincarecanada.com. Bruno? Yes, I'm here. What's happening? What's going on with you? Well, um, I was just wondering, is this doctor at Cairo, or is he actually an MD? I am a chiropractor myself, but my whole team is comprised of all different types of healthcare professionals, including MDs. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I'm just going to give some of these listeners some advice. I used to uh, go to the gym and do some heavy lifting, and... Uh, a lot of labor work where my lower back was always hurting. Mm. And uh, I'd go to my chiropractor and we'd do manipulation on the SI joints and everything, which is pretty cool. Uh, it, it eliminated some of the pain. And uh, I always had lower back pain constantly. So he, he asked me, you know, about my diet. He said, probably you may have an issue with your diet because I was getting constipated and so on and so forth. So I eliminated all of my carbs, my bread pasta and everything like that. Mm-hmm. I got off of the yogurt, which is supposed to be really good for you and so on and so forth. I Prior to all that, though, I ended up going to the having a colonoscopy done because we thought we had lower issues, whatever, mm-hmm. associated with that. So again, what I ended up doing, I stopped doing compression issues with 
with my normal day-to-day work in the gym, no, you know, something that like military presses where yeah. the spine gets compressed. Yep. I eliminated all that. I eliminated all of my carbs, so there's no pizza, no pasta, no cheese, you know. Rice, flour, potatoes, yep. Absolutely. Went to the meat and a very little bit of uh, peas, carrots, like vegetables, and so on and so forth. And um, I haven't had a digestive problem since I've gotten off of that. I've had absolutely no back pain. I see my chiropractor probably once every six weeks just for you know, uh, preventive, which is always recommended. But I I think a lot of your callers probably are looking at issues of lower back pains associated with a lot of times constipation, your diet, where you're always pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm. And it may eliminate a lot of it if they change their diet. And, you know, and obviously saw the chiropractor regularly. Yeah, so so again, and I'm happy that you have found things, Bruno, that have helped you. And and again, this is where I have to take everything case by case because yeah. not everybody's low back pain is the same. You do raise a, a good point on the grains and the dairies. There's actually um, uh, the the government has released something called the deflaming guidelines. Uh, and it's basically a diet plan uh, looking at the things that contribute to inflammation in the body because the pain process is essentially the inflammatory process. Uh, and so if you can eliminate things in your diet to eliminate the inflammatory process, uh, then you'll also eliminate a lot of pain syndromes. Uh, and one of the things, there's actually a saying, grains inflame. Uh, so a lot of, and, and it is something that I do go through with my patients as well, if I do find that their diet is a contributory factor to their levels of pain. Um is yes, uh, trying to eliminate things that are are bad for you that aren't working for you, and so that is a good point. Uh, the maintenance care again, maintenance. I, I do think the most important thing with re with any type of pain syndrome is not necessarily relying on someone else to help you, but learning from a professional on what are the right things that you can do and utilizing that professional uh, when you, there's exacerbations and problems like that. So uh, I'm glad that you've found a way to uh, you know work through this bruno um and you know we we appreciate the um the things that you've you've told us that have worked for you but every case is different and the things that you are doing do make good sense for you and i'm happy about that 416-870-6400 star 640 on cells the number got uh, kevin hi kevin how are you good how you doing you be driving how are you man what's going on with you um i just had a couple questions maybe you could help me out uh and identify what maybe what's going on it's like i i play uh baseball mm-hmm and uh, I don't know if it's from poor swing mechanics or whatever, but it used to be isolated to my uh, elbow, um, like a deep ache. Yep. And then it's kind of moved um, uh, over time. It's, it's moved into my bicep. So I don't know if it's like a bursitis um, uh, or tendonitis, like tennis elbow, whatever it is. But, um, but it's, it's, it's a really deep ache. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so again, uh, anytime you're doing, like, you know, when you hear the terms tennis elbow and golfer's elbow, uh, they really are just an epicondylosis. Uh, they just relate it to the most common sports that have that mechanism uh, of repetitive sp- strain that leads to that type of pathology. And it's similar with what you're doing. There's not much of a difference. Well, there is a difference, but the mechanics are somewhat the same of swinging uh, a baseball bat and maybe swinging a golf club yep. or swinging uh, a tennis racket. And so it does sound like there's an epicondylosis component uh and then oftentimes when these things get worse uh surrounding areas of the body anytime you have an issue in one area 
that goes for too long, it's not uncommon that surrounding areas start to also develop a pain syndrome just because of the very nature that, you know, your body's trying to get other muscles trying to, to compensate. fire, co compensate. And so it's, it's possible that you're just aggravating that whole area. Um, you know, my best recommendation is obviously, you know, get it checked out because uh, that way someone can take a look at it, see what's going on, make the right recommendations, eliminate that issue. Uh, if you're interested, again, that's, that's why I do this. We have a uh, either myself or someone in my provider network or at my clinics, et cetera, et cetera. We, we're here to help with these types of issues. That uh, number, by the way, one 855 doctor Lou and info at paincarecanada.com. you got a couple minutes here. Get your calls in if you uh, feel like doing so. Hey, you got a few minutes. You want to slide in a phone call for uh, for Dr. Lou, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Barring that, you had uh, something else going to the clinic we didn't get around to. Yeah, there was another case that yep. I wanted to discuss. It was a, an older gentleman um, had, over the last um, year or so, been developing um, weakness, he termed mm -hmm. it, in his, uh, his left lower leg. And then that weakness also started to... Uh, apparently go into the left upper extremity as well. Hmm. Um, he also mentioned that over that period of time, he's noticed that his uh, balance is somewhat off, I guess related to the weakness he, he believed uh, in the leg. Um, and then also started talking about things like memory loss. Um, and so anyways, I started talking to this individual. And again, part of the process that I do with my patients is uh, step one is a full history, which is where you talk to someone, you start to do the investigation work, yeah. um, and you know you go through any relevant medical documentation that they have. Had been to his family doctor, just dismissed as like, oh, well, you're getting older, you know, that's common for your balance, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the next part of any interaction should always be a good physical exam, yep. and good physical exams should be determined by your history. So if you're talking to someone and you believe there's neurological things going on, well, you should do a neurological exam. And a lot of healthcare professionals, and when I say a lot, unfortunately, the reality is probably the majority, don't do that. I did a full neurological screen with this individual. And as soon as I took his reflexes, he had what what's termed spastity uh, in other muscles. So, you know, I would take his reflex at his knee on his left side, and all of a sudden his right arm would twitch. And so when you see things like that, in understanding the reflex loop, when you hit, like, for example, the way a reflex works, I hit your, your knee, the, mm -hmm. the, the patella, well, just below in the, in the tendon, it sends a message within the spinal cord, and the spinal cord immediately turns around and sends it back. That's what makes it a reflex. It doesn't have to go any higher into your brain. Right. Um, and once you see things happening in other areas, what that tells you is that signal traveled to the brain, something happened in the brain, sent it back down, and it went to his other arm and caused this spasticity. That's, that's a red flag, that type of stuff. It's, it's very, that could be any type of neurodegenerative disease. It could be a brain tumor. It could be a stroke that had happened. There's a mm -hmm. lot of things that it could be. But this individual just totally dismissed as, oh, you're getting older, your balance isn't as good, and yeah, you're going to have some weakness. No, no, no. As soon as I heard uh, you know, symptoms on one side of the body and all the other things that he started to say, uh, to me it was just red flags right away. I started him down the right process of now getting him a scan for his brain uh, to figure out exactly yeah. what's going on. But yeah, it's... Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have neurological symptoms. Come see me, come get that checked out. Don't just leave what you think is just a numbness or just a little bit of weakness. Let's check it out because in the physical exam, we can pick stuff up very, very easily. John and Barry, good afternoon. How are you? Very good. What's your concern, man? 
I have um, both the low. Everyone doctors talk about my back being uh, low uh, mechanical uh, situations. I have two Harrington rods in my back. One of them broke three months after the operation. Uh, the broken rod is still in my back. Uh, surgery was done 40 years 40 years ago. But uh, how do you work? Try to build the core. When you, whenever I talk to doctors or medical or physio, physiotherapists, they have a look on their face like, um, we can't work this area because we may shatter you. And so, John, you had the Harrington rods, I'm assuming, because you had a scoliosis, a severe scoliosis? Yeah. yeah. I had the uh, half grown disc, and the disc was being pushed out yeah. to the back. So, so you, to answer your question on exercises for you, you know, when I've in, in, earlier in the program, I've been saying exercises need to be specific to the individual. There was yeah. probably no case today that is that that's more relevant than someone like you, because I need to understand the scoliosis. I need to understand the extent of the damage. And then based on those things, I could tell you what exercises may likely uh, help you with those issues. So that's that's what I would encourage you, John, is if you can uh, come see me, bring any relevant medical documentation that you have, uh, and let's look at it because uh, I do agree, you don't have to, there, there should be some stuff that you can do. It's just a matter of, of understanding the exact situation. Mike, you got about uh, 10 seconds. What's your question? Quick one? Yes. Yep, go ahead. Do you accept the health card, the OHIP card? OHIP card, there uh, you go. So, it so, yeah, we do accept depending on the service that you need. So, for example, say uh, if you need chiropractor, uh, that's not covered by OHIP, so it's not accepted. But if you did need to see, uh, you know, one of the surgeons that we work with or sports medicine right. docs, then, yeah, obviously OHIP. So, again, it depends on service. Good show for another week, my friend. Thank As you. we get out of here, it's one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U to get a hold of uh, Doctor Lou anytime. Info at paincarecanada.com. Drop by, get that free consultation. Happening, get on the road to recovery. Indeed. Till next weekend, the Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio AM six forty.